Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. If you've been around at Northside for a little while, you will know that after, over the last couple of years, we've been asking this question as a community. What if we could equip 400 neighbourhood missionaries? We asked that last year and we've been asking that this year. And, and to put some, um, some structure around that question this year in our connection groups that you would have seen on the screen, those little dots all around Sydney, our groups of Northsiders that meet together in communities, little constellations of fireflies in different parts of Sydney. We've been learning what it looks like to be neighbourhood missionaries, particularly when it comes to having faith conversations with people. What does it look like for us to have conversations with our next door neighbours? with our colleagues, with our family, with our friends? What does it look like to be a neighbourhood missionary in that regard? And we've been having that conversation as a community this year. What if we could equip 400 neighbourhood missionaries and learning what that looks like? But now, as we come to the end of wrapping up these wiki church studies that we've been doing in our connection groups, we have to say the mission of God is so much more than faith conversations with people, Right? It's so important having conversations with people about who Jesus is because people have questions, people are searching. The conversations are important, but that's not the whole picture. Evangelism, if you want to call it that, and justice are the two sides of the coin of the mission of God. Our God is on a mission to put things right in the world, to restore all things to the way that he designed them to be. And the two sides of his mission, one side is evangelism, the faith conversations that we've been talking about this year in our connect groups in Wiki Church. But the other side of Wiki Church, the other side of the mission of God that he calls us to engage with is justice. It's putting things right. It's action. It's not just word. It's not just the conversations, but it's deed as well. It's justice. It's putting things right. And so as we come to wrap up the studies that we've been doing in our connect groups, we want to revisit social justice as a church and revisit what it looks like to put action with our words as a church community so that we have that balance, that we wouldn't be all action and no word, but neither would we be all word and no action. So over the next, next few weeks, we're going to revisit this series that we looked at last year, Putting Things Right 2.0, if you like, that we might, on now on the other side of having done these wiki church studies in our groups, think again with a, with a freshness and a new depth about what it looks like for us as a church to add action, to add deed to our words, that we might embody the full picture of the mission of God as a church. Does that make some sense? So that's where we're going uh, over the next few weeks. If you, another way of looking at it might be that as a church, we're called to share and show Jesus, to share what he is like with people, but also to show what he is like. And what he is like, he's a king who puts things right. He's a king who puts things right. It's time for us to revisit what showing Jesus looks like in our day-to-day lives. Social justice is a call for our day-to-day lives year-round. It's not just when we're doing fundraising for Thrive Madagascar. It's not just when we welcome back amazing people like Brendan and Shannon. This is a year-long call in our lives. It's part of what it means to be a Christian, is to live for the sake of others, to put things right where we find ourselves. It's what it is to be a Christian. Acting justly is an inescapable, fundamental part of the Christian vocation. We're all called to put things right where we are as, a, as, as part of our Christian call before we even start to think about what my individual part to play might be in that. This is part of what it is to be a Christian. And as we'll see this morning, having a deep social conscience, a life that's poured out in deeds of service to others, particularly for the poor, it's a necessary sign of real faith and of a real connection with God. It's the proof of a real faith in God, if you like. 
And you might say, oh, I go to church, I pray, I have conversations with people about Jesus. I talk a lot about church and I talk a lot about Jesus. Isn't that enough? Isn't that what God requires of me? As we look at this passage, as we look at Isaiah 58 this morning, um, we will see what it is that God asks of us. We will see who we are intended to be as the people of God. We will see what the shape of our identity in him is ought to be. As we get into that, I just want to set up the context of this passage a little bit on Isaiah. If you know a little bit about the Bible, Isaiah is this like big, long, complicated uh, book in the Old Testament that you read over. If you don't understand the context, reading it can be a little bit daunting. This is before I studied this book uh, at Bible college. I was always very scared of Isaiah because I thought, oh, I just don't understand what the heck that guy is talking about. So just for a little bit of context to frame this up, uh, Isaiah was a prophet, which meant he was a, a man sent by God to talk to his people to call them back to who he had created them to be. It's like they're a ship that kept getting off course and Isaiah was the, was the dude that God sent to bring them back on course again, to call them back to what was right and to what God had created them to be. They forget, like us, right? We need reminding. We need to revisit this stuff a year later because we forget. We're forgetful, just like God's people has always, have always been getting caught up in our day-to-day lives. We need gentle reminders like prophets, uh, like Isaiah, this guy who God has sent to call us back on course back into alignment with God's heart and purposes for us. What Isaiah does is he, unders- he, he applies his understanding of who God is um, to what it means for our lives so that we might um, know that, um, know that we, we might know when our lives are aligned with the heart and purposes of God by looking at what Isaiah says. And we know that our hearts and our lives are aligned with God's when our lives are overflowing with justice. That's, that's what shows us that our lives are aligned with God's, that we're on the same page as him, that we're tracking on course when we're seeing social justice overflow from our lives. So we're going to have a look at this passage in Isaiah um, because in it God, call, uh, God calls his people back to what is right. We want to, I, know, I know us, I know that we want to live in the ways of God. I know that we have a heart for people and a heart for what is right and a heart for the poor. And so what does it look like for our lives? So firstly, I want to look at what, is it, what does Isaiah show us about what it, what it means for us? To, what, what are we called to as Christians? What do we learn from this passage? Firstly, we are called not just to share Jesus, as I, as I said before, but to show Jesus by enacting justice, living lives that put things right wherever we find ourselves, wherever we see a need that crosses our paths, whether it's right in front of us or it's something that we hear about doing something, not just being touched by something, but being moved to action to put things right. See, the Israelites, a lot like us, had forgotten what God wanted of them. This is, this is the kind of spirituality that they had. Verse 2, if you've got your Bibles, Isaiah says, For day after day they seek, God through Isaiah says, For God, day after day they seek me out, they seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. And verse 5, Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to God, to the Lord? The Israelites thought they were being really religious with all their prayers and all their fasting and all the hullabaloo and religious activity that was 
all about them and all about wrangling blessing from God for themselves. They thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they were being really religious. God says, no, that's not what I want. What I want is a life that overflows with justice for others. They'd forgotten what it was that God wanted from them. Their religion didn't have any meaningful, tangible implications for other people's lives. It was all about them. It was self-indulgent. And it's sobering to think that that wasn't what God was after. Isaiah goes on with what God does call for in his people in verses 6 and 7. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? You see, God wants his people's lives to be shaped by the nature of their their relationship with him. Now, what I mean by that is God's people, by definition, the shape of their relationship with God is that they are right with God. They are in right relationship with God. You can't be in relationship with God unless you've been made right with him. All of us come into the world being in broken relationship with God, separated from him by our sin. And through Jesus, he restores us into relationship with him. He makes us right with him so that we can be in relationship with him. That's the nature of our relationship with God. And then what God desires for us, expects of us, if you like, is that the nature of our relationship with the world around us then follows from the nature of our relationship with him. And so just as we experience rightness with God, we then live lives that seek rightness all around us. Does that make sense? We seek wholeness all around us. We seek things that should be right. When we see something that says, oh, that, that is not right. That's not the way that should be. We should pursue making it right because we live out of a place of experiencing rightness with God. There's a disconnect there when we experience rightness in our relationship with God, but don't care about putting things right around us when we see things that are not right, when we see things that are broken. The two should go hand in hand. There should be an alignment there. Living justly is simply lining up our lives with who God is and with the relationship we have with him and doing whatever is required to create, restore and maintain rightness all around us. That's all it is. It's bringing all things into the kind of order that we will have in heaven, the kingdom of God, where everything is right, everything is just, everything is just as it ought to be, everyone, where everyone is clothed, everyone is fed, everyone's cared for, everyone's included, everyone belongs. This is a new order that there will be in heaven in the kingdom of God and our role is to, is to integrate that rightness into our experience of life now just as we experience rightness with God. And what happens is that as we align our lives with the kind of rightness we have with God, we become a lamp through which God's light shines onto others to bless others. When we aligned... With him, his light will shine. If we're not aligned, then the light doesn't get through because there's some kind of blockage, right? When we align the outward rightness of our, of our lives in seeking justice with the rightness that we experience in relationship with God, then God's light can shine through us to others, that others might see him. We ought to be known as the ones who restore, who rebuild, who repair, who raise up, because that's what God does. 
Can I ask you this morning, how would you describe what constitutes your life of faith? What does your life of faith look like, like practically? When someone looks at your life from the outside, not knowing what you're thinking about, not knowing what your intentions are or what your desires are, when someone looks at your life from the outside, what do they see? What do they see that it looks like to be one of God's people? What constitutes your life of faith? Is it lined up with the rightness you experience with God? Where in your life do you see things that are not right? In your day-to-day life, at the office, with your family, at home, in your, on your street, in your neighbourhood, where do you see things that you say, no, that's not right? That's not right. What is it that tugs at your heart? Where do you have a discontentedness? Can you identify something? That's the call of justice on your life. That's the call to justice when you feel that discontent, when you're able to identify that is not right. That's the call to justice to live rightly. Now, if you're anything like me, this can be another confronting moment for us to realise that maybe the way that I engage with the world, maybe the way that I see the world and I experience uh, rightness in the world doesn't line up with the rightness I experience with God. Maybe I don't pursue um, rightness horizontally, as it were, in the same way that I pursue rightness vertically, as it were, with God. That's confronting. What do I do about that? What do we do about that? Where, where do we start? And before we get too practical, um, firstly, I think it's important to recognise where injustice starts so that we can start at the roots of this and work our way up and so that we can move forward. Injustice has its roots in a, in a self-focus. The Israelites' posture, as I said before, was that they wanted God's blessing all for themselves, not in order that they might use God's blessing, as it were, to put things right around them. They just wanted God's blessing for themselves. Last time when we looked at social justice, we said that injustice begins with the mindset that my resources are mine. And when we fail to use our resources, the things that God has blessed us with to put things right around us, This is the kicker. Do you remember this? It's not just stinginess. Anyone remember? It's injustice. We fail to use our resources to put things right around us. It's not just stinginess. It's injustice. And we live from a mindset that my resources are mine. Now, let's be real. We are a highly resourced people. We're a highly resourced community. None of us are going to deny that. Individually, many, many of us are highly resourced. As a church, look at this room we're meeting in. We're a highly resourced community. We're a highly resourced church. God has designed us to be rivers, not reservoirs. You see the difference? A river, things flow through a reservoir. The water comes in, the blessing comes in, and it stays there. And when it stays there, it stagnates. It's not good for anyone. It's not good for the one who receives the blessing, us. It's not good for those who the blessing could otherwise be passed on to to bless. No one wins. So often, though, isn't it our natural human bent towards self-focus? If we don't pay attention to this, this is why we're reminding ourselves of this, because we're forgetful. It's insidious. It creeps in. But so often our natural human bent is towards self-focus to hold on to our blessing for self-advantage, for our own advantage. The problem is that that comes at the expense of others. 
when we hold on to blessing for our advantage that comes at the expense of others. Now, I know that we don't want this as a community. I know that that's not our heart. I know that we're not, we're not the kind of people who want to say, yeah, I just want to keep everything for, for myself. I don't care about anybody else. That's not Northside. That's, that's not us. I know that our heart is in the right place when it comes to this. I look at myself and I think it breaks my heart when I see that there are decisions in my life that I make that don't line up with where my heart's at. Decisions that I make regularly, even small ones, that will make life easier for me, but will come at somebody else's expense. So I might be in the shops and I might see, just a small example, I might see a pair of jeans for $10. A great bargain, I'll buy them, I'll save myself 70 bucks or whatever. Not thinking about, has this pair of jeans been made by a child slave? And so I'll buy them and in a, in a very small way, in a sense, buy into the injustice in that. There are more slaves in the world today than there have ever been just unthinkingly buy into that. Oh, good, I'm going to save myself 70 bucks. makes my life easier, but it comes at the expense of someone else who's in slavery to make my $10 pair of jeans. That doesn't line up with where my heart is at. It's confronting. There's little things in our lives. But injustice isn't just something that's out there. It's something that uh, we can all contribute to unwittingly if we're not conscious of it, if we don't keep reminding ourselves about this. And if we're not careful, as one of my favourite theologians, Walter Brueggemann, says, our lives and our spirituality can become self-indulgence that is void of ethical content. Self-indulgence void of ethical content. That's so confronting because it's so easy to happen because I see it in my own life. What has God blessed you with? Can you call it to mind practically? What's he, what's he blessed you with physically, financially, materially, relationally, spiritually, with your time? What, what has he blessed you with? And ask yourself honestly, what is your default orientation when it comes to those things? Is it a self-focus? Honestly. I know for me a lot of the time it is. But it's not, about what, it's not about what our heart is or what our intention is. I'm pretty confident that those, by and large, for us are good. But what do we actually do? That's what matters. That's what makes the difference. Is your posture to enjoy blessing for yourself or is it to share it with others, to put things right where you are? You know, I heard a few weeks ago, in one week, I heard of two Northsiders who moved house with the, d- deliberately only in order that they might have more space to be hospitable. Now, that's a big call in Sydney. <laughs> and on the lower North Shore, two different Northsiders moved house into a bigger space so that they might be able to have more people in to be more hospitable. They might be able to welcome people in when somebody didn't have somewhere to stay or someone didn't have friends. When they saw things, they said, no, that's not right. Now I'm in a position to be able to do something about it because of the resources that I have, because of what God has given me. That's the heart of our church. Would you consider surrendering your resources to God for his use so that he might use them to bless others, so that you might be a river of blessing and not a reservoir? so that injustices might be made right. So more practically, where to from here? How can we be part of the solution? 
How do we move from good intentions to action? How do we move from um, being touched by something to being moved forward in action to put things right? Firstly, it's acknowledging that putting things right requires action. There's no such thing as a passive participant in social justice. (laughs) You can't be a passive participant. It's not like you can just be a silent partner in social justice. Even if you're giving money towards something, it's, it's still, it's still, that's still active. Let's have a look again at the kind of spirituality that God calls his people to. It is so active. Verses 6 and 7. Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen? To loose the chains of in- Listen to these verbs. Very active. Active words. The, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. They're active. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them. That's the difference between being touched by something and moved to something, seeing something and then doing something about it. To see the naked, to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Isn't that easy to do? Be confronted and turn away. The reason that action is required, that you can't be a passive participant in social justice, is because of inertia, basically. The world is broken. That's the state of the way things are. And changing that requires action. Uh, Isaac Newton's principle of inertia, as many of us will know, is that things don't change unless an external force causes it to change. The world is a broken place, and there is a force that is needed to bring it back together, to make brokenness whole, to put things right. And do you know we are God's chosen force for good, for rightness in this world? Good intentions, my friends, is not going to do it. There needs to be a force that is applied to the brokenness in this world to put things right. Not only that, but we know that our worship is real when it spills out in social justice, in action. Actions that put things right for others. Ethical behaviour is evidence that we are in right relationship with God. Pursuing rightness around us is the proof, if you like, that we're in right relationship with God. It's the evidence. There's this amazing passage in in James in the New Testament, chapter 2 from verses 15 uh, to 18. I'll read it to you. 14 to 18. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. Strong words. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. I'm a words person, you're a deeds person. You're just a social justice type. Whatever that means. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. Now I know this is our heart and our intention as a church. And for me, it is so painful for me to recognise that there are areas that my heart and my life don't match up, that I have good intentions, that I have a heart for something, maybe even feel passionate about something, but for some reason that doesn't translate across to action to actually doing something about it, to reorganising my priorities, to reorganising my life so that there might be integrity to me between my life and my my heart and my actions, my words and my deeds. There's a blockage somewhere there. There's not an alignment that is required in order for God's light to shine through us. 
It's like we experience spiritual inertia. We need the Holy Spirit of God to come and break our hearts, to give us a holy discontent, to move us forward. I think some of the things that keep us still are that sometimes we want to keep our faith private. It's just for me, separated from the real world where real faith finds expression in putting things right. We insulate ourselves from the world and its need. We don't want to look at these these really confronting, awful pictures that were up on the screen earlier. We don't want to look um, and hear stories of poverty and of pain and of injustice. We insulate ourselves from them because it's painful. Sometimes we just don't recognise injustice when we see it because we've become so used to it or we just don't have our radar up. We don't want to be disturbed. We don't want to be inconvenienced. Maybe we're just lazy. But you know what? We have a God who moves forward, who moves out, who stepped into our world to put everything right. And he's the one we follow, right? We call ourselves followers of Jesus. And if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we follow him forward as he puts things right. It's part of the deal. It's not an optional extra. If we're going to follow Jesus, we have to follow him as he moves into messes, as he moves into brokenness, as he moves into injustice to put things right. It's not an option for us. That's who we are. It's who we're called to be. You know, we need to seek our God that he would disturb us, that he would change us, that he would break our hearts over injustice so that disconnect would, discontent would propel us forward. And I think helpfully, really practically, we can build attitudes and practices to help us with this into our lives so that bit by bit, this becomes part of the fibre of who we are individually and as a community. Little bit by little bit, building in practices and attitudes. It might be adopting an attitude of openness and regularly choosing to respond to any need that crosses your path, whether big or small, wherever you are, and asking people to keep you accountable to that. That's where connect groups are really important. It might be choosing to be vulnerable and available, being prepared and willing to be inconvenienced. Those are all attitudinal things. More practically, it might be looking into who makes your clothes is there an, is there an ethical, um, ethical chain behind the jeans that you buy? Is a slave making your clothing, basically? Looking into that kind of thing really practically. It might be taking a reusable cup when you go to get your coffee <laughs> so that the earth is treated well and treated rightly. It might be standing up for someone who's mistreated at work, inviting a lonely neighbour around for dinner. Anything, anytime you see a need, choosing to meet it. We are a highly resourced, blessed group of people and we get to choose whether we're going to be a river or a reservoir in that. Whether we're going to choose to put good, good intentions to work so that our, our lives, our faith might actually make a difference in the world around us, not just stop with us. Can you imagine the wrongs that we could right as a church if we really took this seriously and put it into action, if we reorganised our priorities? If we built little habits and little practices into our lives, little bit by little bit, kept each other accountable to this in our groups. Can you imagine what difference we might make to, to Crow's Nest, to Sydney, to Australia, to the world? Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.